Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 133. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Don't you just wish there was an easier way to count your inventory and send your orders? Well, you are in luck because that system does exist and it's called ChefSheet. And you can start using it today by going to www.chefsheet.com. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Sam Lewinton. Sam, how are you today? Are you feeling unstoppable? I uh, can't stop, won't stop. All right. I cannot wait to get your stories and advice. Let me just give a quick aerial view of what you're all about and who you are. So, uh, manager at Every Man's Espresso in New York, New York, Lewinton has been called the best barista in the city. This title isn't just the opinion of his guests, and it's been earned through entering and winning numerous barista competitions. Every Man's Espresso has been featured in Food and Wine, uh, Bon Appetit, and the New York Times, and it's just has some incredible coffees, hospitality, and service. And Sam, I know that you recently won for the second time uh, the Big Eastern Competition in November, and you went on to the United States Barista Competition. Was that this recent uh, past February that you took place in that? Uh, yes. Uh, the U.S. Barista Championships were uh, in February. The Big East was at the end of uh, November of last year. Um, and yeah, we had a we had a good season. I took home the gold in the the northeast regional part of the Big East um, with our uh, barista Erica Voni uh, taking fourth. So a good a good showing for the shop. And then uh, I went on to take fourth at the U.S. Barista Championships, which is uh, awesome. uh, makes this a pretty good season. Yeah, yeah, man. Congratulations, <laughs> that's awesome. I can't wait to find Thank out you. what it is that drives you and brings all this success and. <clears throat> Before we do dive into that, I want to get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling. And Sam, you're going to share a success quote or mantra to do that for us. What do you have? I don't go to quotes a whole lot, but um, uh, I had a, a, a line from a, a, a favorite book of mine. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to out myself as a, a huge nerd here for a second. Uh, <laughs> from Dune, from Frank Herbert's Dune, actually. Um, and it just goes, here I am, here I remain. It's just a, a, a reminder that, uh, you know, a reminder not to be budged, a reminder not to be deterred, uh, a reminder not to be put off your uh, put off your path or put off your goal. Awesome, man. I love it. You gotta just, you're just going to own it, right? And that's what it sounds like <laughs> yeah. you're yep. doing. Like, you are who you are, and you're no one else, and uh, I love it, dude. So that's a great way to kick off this interview, and uh, I think now it's time to kind of find out when did you know – it was not just going to be a job for you, the barista business, uh, but this was going to be your career and your passion. When did you know? Uh, well, uh, I should probably take it back uh, to sometime before that, actually. Please do. Uh, so I, so I, I grew up in Seattle, and in Seattle, uh, uh, 
BS barista jobs are sort of the job that you take when you're a teenager and you uh, aren't really qualified for anything, but you don't want to admit that you're working in fast food. I just want to make sure I heard that right. You said bullshit barista jobs, or uh, is that what I heard? Yeah. Okay. They're, yeah, they're 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 all over. They are all over the place in uh, in 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 the Northwest generally, and in Seattle in particular. Um, sort of uh, sort of the the background noise. Um, and, uh, I did that, um, for a number of years, paid my way through college on, on not great barista jobs, um, and, uh, finished my degree and figured I would, um, figured I would... Curious, another though, barista job. What was to, your degree, uh, if you don't mind me asking? What uh, was my, your degree? Oh, I, I, I did my uh, bachelor's in anthropology at the University okay. of Washington. I see the connection. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's some, there some connections. Uh, we'll actually we'll, we'll come to that later. Okay. <laughs> all right. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, but No, no, not at all. Not at all. Uh, but, yeah, I figured when I finished my degree, I figured I'd take one more barista job to uh, – tied me over until I figured out what I really wanted to do with my life. And um, I took a job at a cafe run by a roaster called Equal Exchange. Okay. Um, they're actually based out of Boston, but this cafe was in Seattle. And uh, there's a lot of uh, institutional knowledge in that organization. There's a lot of connection to a lot of different parts of the coffee industry. And it was a window into this whole world um, that just fascinated me. And I knew very quickly between that and having had my first sort of taste of what good coffee could be, um, I knew instantly that I had sort of stumbled on this bottomless rabbit hole and that I was going to probably spend the better part of the rest of my life figuring, trying to figure out how deep I could go. So what was the name of that company again? Uh, uh, it's called Equal Exchange. Equal Exchange. Um, so it was your yeah. first experience at Equal Exchange where you said you just uh, were just taken away from you know what their the depth of it. What was it exactly that I, really grasped you? Uh, I was this uh, cocky kid, and I had been making pretty terrible coffee for probably six years at that point, and I thought I knew everything. I okay. thought I knew what was up. And I walked in, and the first thing they did was they uh, handed me a training manual and a couple of books to read and said, uh, you're not going anywhere near an espresso machine. You're not doing anything except ring up drinks until you've, until you've actually learned how to do this, really. Um, <laughs> That's a humbling and, experience. Uh, it is. It is. <laughs> and so many of those experiences that I found to be formative, that I found to be yeah. uh, generative of all of the things that I'm – happy about about where my life has gone have started humbling you, know, you mm. start by sort of going oh i don't actually have any idea what's going on mm. here. um uh let's learn it's um, kind of you know. almost every day when i interview some of these people and every day is a humbling experience seeing what so many of these incredible people like yourself have achieved i can totally resonate with that so sorry to cut you off again but yeah keep oh going. not at all not at all um, so yeah, and it was just, it just sort of kept going from there. So every time that I think I'm on top of what's going on in coffee, every time that I think I'm on top of what's going on in hospitality, I'll turn a corner and I'll see some detail, some facet, some factor that I never took into account before, that I didn't know anything about before. Mm. And it, it inspires me to sort of get back to work and, and buckle back down and start learning again. Um, and really that's, that's why I love it. Um, yeah. it's, it never, it never stops providing, uh, opportunities to learn and opportunities to grow. Yeah. So Sam, you're still relatively a young guy. Would you say this is your career or are you still trying to figure it out? 
Uh, no, I would say I would say I'm pretty I'm pretty locked in at this point. <laughs> awesome, great. So, I mean, do you know? Is there one pivotal like moment where this went from being a job to this is my career? I it happened very early, honestly. Uh, between that sort of you know world opening up in front of my eyes and understanding that that coffee could be this whole huge. Uh, this whole huge experience, this whole huge endeavor. And again, having had a couple of cups of coffee that really transformed my opinion about what it could be. And I got a couple of like really revelatory, uh, gustatory experiences with really comparatively simple seeming cups of coffee. Um, I knew very quickly that this was sort of what I wanted to spend my life chasing. Um, my connection to it has changed over the years, how exactly I approach it and what, part of it, what facet of it I, I spend all of my energy, my effort on so, uh, has changed over the years. Let's but, go to uh, one extreme to the other. So let's go to the most yeah. d- furthest extreme of what it was to you when you were getting started and what it is today. Uh, I think when I got started, as so many baristas do when they start, I was hyper-focused on teasing the inherent flavor out of coffee. Okay. Uh, there, it, it's a, it's a surprisingly difficult process mm. um, or or when you first start it's a surprisingly difficult process turns out the longer you do it the simpler it gets mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and not just because you're better at it but because you start to understand what matters and what doesn't matter okay. um, but uh, but I, I, I was hyper focused on these tiny details of the technique of making espresso these tiny details of the technique of making filter coffee and uh, and sort of putting the best and uh, most articulate flavors in the cup that I possibly could was sort of all-consuming. That was all I had time and all I had space for. So, um, these days, on the other end of that whole sort of journey, and I mean, obviously, I'm still going on this journey, but I'm very much more focused on how do I take that and really share it with people? I what are it. all the details of hospitality? What are all the details of service <laughs> that uh, make that accessible? I'm sitting over here crossing my fingers, hoping that's the direction you're going to go. And I think uh, it's evident because it's those people that make that connection. I mean, they have the passion Absolutely. for the food, but it's what will make you successful <laughs> is knowing how to deliver that experience to other people and Absolutely. sharing the love. And uh, I think that is one of the huge things um, just from listening to your storage your story has contributed to your uh, very early success and uh, I'm sure future success as well. Awesome. So here's hoping. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're kind of tapping into these, these, these it factors you have we're right on the, the edge of really going in deep with these it factors. So if you could just take it further for us and tell us what you think it is, your habits, your characteristics that most contribute to your success. I think I can point to three big factors. The first one is, we'll start with the hospitality thing. A dear friend of mine, a gentleman named Souther Teague, who runs a bar called Amoria Margo here in New York, is a, a great bartender, uh, has a history as a great chef. He said to me, and this has really stuck with me, that we don't serve drinks, we serve people. Mm. And that what's most important, I mean, serving great product is a part of this, but understanding that you're there for your guests. Your ultimate goal is not to not just to create a great product, but to make sure that all of your guests walk out of your 
establishment happier and more satisfied than, than they were when they walked in. So that's sort of part one, um, and understanding that it's, 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 it's all about the guests and that everything that you do feeds into that guest experience. Mm. Um, but that's why you're, that's why, that's why I get up every day. Awesome. Um, the second part is, for me, I think, is an understanding of uh, systems, um, thinking about how to build for success, essentially, how to design for success. Everything from, you know, systems of making coffee, you know, making sure that you invest in the right equipment, making sure that you invest in education, making sure that you are dealing in repeatable quantities, that you're dealing in repeatable actions and all of the sort of parts that feed into that through designing spaces that are easy for both your Mm. staff and your guests to use and that communicate the things that you want to communicate out to systems of hospitality itself. How do we, you know, through attention to detail and how do we, through building every step of a guest experience from the ground up, uh, create better experiences for our guests, create uh, more welcoming, more hospitable, easier, more pleasant experiences for all the people who walk in our door. When did you start um, to learn that these systems had such a, you know, incredible impact on the overall product? It's, it's been an, an ongoing process. I definitely, when I first learned how to make coffee, it was, I was given some systems that governed small parts of that process. Mm-hmm. And part of my initial fascination was learning how all of those systems tied together into other systems that informed how they work. So, you know, for instance, how the systems that uh, inform brewing espresso tied into the systems that inform brewing filter coffee and how all of that ties into the systems that put flavor in the coffee in the first place. I mean, um, you, you can keep going and, further and further, too, and how the, all those systems start working into the, the operation, too. And I'm sure that's exactly, kind of... Exactly, yeah. exactly. So we, uh, that opened out into, you know, how does that all relate to the sort of operational backbone of the cafe? And then the final piece of this puzzle for me, and this has been relatively recent, it's been the last few years, um, was realizing, you know, we historically hire people who are already sort of, who we think about as already sort of being on the level of hospitality. Mm. The, the common sort of approach in cafes is you hire for hospitality and you train coffee, mm-hmm. right? And my thought was, I, I feel like it's not... I feel like that's not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like obviously you want to hire people who care enough to do the job well, who care enough to engage, who care enough to engage with both the product and with the people they're serving it to, who care enough to engage with and own the space in which they work. Um, but you still have to give them the tools. And in the same way that you have to give them the tools to make the coffee, in the same way that you have to give them the tools to maintain the space, you have to give them the tools to provide excellent hospitality. Oh, man, um, and and so the, the realization was, uh, you know, that I had all of this to learn, that I, I could look to, uh, you know, other facets of the restaurant industry and some other really great hospitality professionals in other parts of the food and beverage industry who were doing this amazing work in putting together hospitality experiences and really look at how they were doing that and sort of take what I could from, you know, from fine dining, from 
great cocktail bars from, you know, all of these sort of seemingly very disparate hospitality scenarios. I have to ask you, Sam, you have to make a little mental note right now. We're going to come back to this, what you're talking about. Make a mental note about all the resources you use at this point when you're looking for examples, because we're we're going to tap that later on in the interview. Um, I want you real quick, though, to share a story with me, Sam, because you said one of your if factors, the first if factor was... You know, you, you realize that we serve people, not drinks, and that you your job is to make people happy, and it's that ultimate experience. Mm-hmm. So take me to a moment, Sam, where this it factor that you have to make people happy really shine through. I want, like, a glowing example of this hospitality that you provided to somebody. And bring us right down to when it happened. So some of my best examples of this are in taking experiences with guests who are otherwise accustomed to having to be kind of cantankerous, mm-hmm. you know, to having to like really get in and, and manage their own experience, taking them and making them feel comfortable enough to trust us to, to, to trust us with their well-being, to trust us with their enjoyment. Yeah. Uh, espresso can be a, really intimidating for some people too. So I can see that. Being, yeah, absolutely. Go on. We, we had a gentleman uh, who came in in the very early days of our Soho store, so well, probably three years ago now, uh, two and a half years ago maybe, um, who came in and he had some very exacting specifications for how he wanted his espresso prepared. And we, on the back end, understand that we, you know, we're set up, we're dialed in, we're, we've got everything put together in such a way as to make it taste the best that it can possibly taste. Um, and that we can't just sort of change that on the fly. Um, you know, the, the, the equipment and the coffee don't really take super well to that. The challenge then was to, you know, share the best possible thing, you know, the best possible expression of the coffee that we were serving with this gentleman who, you know, had some very specific ideas about, you know, methodologically what needed to happen that weren't necessarily true. It all came down to, to understanding, A, that it was not about his, uh, you know, it wasn't about his expression of his, you know, knowledge about the coffee, that it was about him having had some experiences, some other places, having had some experiences previously that weren't really, you know, in line with the, the best possible and just making it very apparent that we were there for him to sort of say, yes, absolutely. We're here for you. We're here to give you the best thing possible. Right. Here's how we're going to do that, and then doing it. And he was immediately converted, um, mm-hmm. and has been a, and has been a, a a huge fan of ours ever since. Awesome, I love it. And you just take so much away from that story because, really, at the end of the day, that's what we're all here for: is to, you know. W- we're here to serve you. We're here to make your experience as good as it can be. And we will do whatever we can to get you there. And I think that is just a mentality we all can just take away and should strive for from that story. Great stuff. So, um, we have gotten your success story. Your it factors are shining through. Now we got to find out Sam, a time where you just fell hard on your ass and just because and we can learn a lot from successes but we learn the most from failure you know lay it on us man just like what is one hard failure you had? uh oh man um i mean there are always there are always speed bumps in uh in the life of any uh hospitality establishment i think for a big like 
like peak example, I'm actually going to turn to uh, turn turn away from the shop itself and turn to turn to barista competition. Um, it's such a great sort of microcosm of the the sort of cycle of striving and not quite making it where you want to go and learning from those failures. Uh, well, this the, is a, a personal growth podcast. It's about the person, not the yeah. restaurant. So I will allow it. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> um, so for I have been competing. This is my, we just racked up my fifth year involved in barista competition. I've competed four years, judged one year. The first year that I ever competed, I went up and I did it the best I knew how, which was, I'm going to be honest, not very well. It's a very complicated process and has some very particular sort of ins and outs. Um, and I uh, went up there, and I gave it my all, and I didn't even make it past the first round in the in the regional competition. Like I didn't, I didn't even leap that particular small hurdle. Um, and I was gutted. Mm. I was gutted. I I thought going into that, that I knew what I was about. I thought that I knew what was happening. I thought that I knew what I needed to do. And I thought that I was good enough to just get up there and do it. And what were you uh, thinking when you came out of that competition? Uh, I mean, I came out of that competition and I didn't really know what to think. I'd never done it before. So I didn't really know what to expect in terms of like, here's what happened up there. And mm-hmm. here's what the judges are going to think. I didn't have a like accurate read on it, but I felt pretty good. I felt like, okay, I did this thing. Not everything went exactly according to plan, but like, I feel like I executed pretty well. I feel like the coffee tasted pretty good. And I, the feedback that I got back was just, it was honest, but man, it was brutal. <laughs> it was absolutely, it was, it was very, very hard. Um, and uh, the, the feedback was just that there were all of these seemingly insignificant details that just hadn't happened. They hadn't been attended to because I didn't know to attend them. I'd never done this before. So I, I had sort of read the rules and talked to a couple of people and then kind of gone out and done my thing. Um, and, you know, so it was just a sort of laundry list of like, well, here's a thing that wasn't where it needed to be. Here's a thing that I couldn't interact with the way that I wanted to interact with it. Here's a thing that, you know, you said this and this other thing happened that wasn't in line with what you said. It really turned me around and it took me a moment. It took me, it took me a little bit. It took me a few days of uh, sort of, sort of ruminating on that to decide that I coming back to that competition was the thing that I really wanted to do. Mm. But once I had some time to really think about it, I sort of thought, okay, what's happened here is not that my judges had told me that I'm a bad barista, not that my judges had told me that I don't know what I'm doing. What they've given me is a set of problems to solve. Mm-hmm. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a break and I'm going to come back next year. I'm going to set about solving those problems. And it's sort of been like that every year, honestly, like it, it happened again this year. Uh, we got to USBC and we had some big ambitions and, uh, you know, we came in fourth, which is a great finish. Obviously we wanted it to be better. You know, we were hoping for a smaller number and a larger trophy again, got that feedback back and, you know, went straight from sort of like feeling, you know, taking it a little bit hard in that in that opening moment to seeing the feedback and seeing where everything fell into place and sort of going, all right, here's a set of problems that need to be solved. Here's a very specific group of ways in which we can do this better, right? Awesome. Yeah. Um, and and that and that really has carried to everything. That's carried out to my entire approach to you know running the cafe. My entire approach to hospitality has been informed by that sort of detail orientation no, and that approach you... of saying, you know, we're going to do our best and we're going to understand that it's not going to be 
all that it can be right away, but that by doing our best and sort of looking, you know, you know, coming at it, you know, coming at it with, uh, you know, with a, you know, as much energy and as much commitment as we can and be being willing to step back and say, you know what, I'm probably wrong about a bunch of it. Mm. Um, and to be able to recognize the places in which you're wrong and turn around and uh, change them and turn around and improve them and turn around and work on them. Um, is everything. That's everything. Man, I mean, if we can apply that whole philosophy to just the whole idea of opening and running a restaurant, too, and I love that you use this as an example, as a failure, because it's so much, what you're saying resonates so much with the whole idea behind Eric Reese's The Lean Startup, where you just start. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know the final outcome, but you need to learn and just get a a minimal concept together of what it's going to be like and just do your best. And you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're going to go into that experience failing. So it's kind of great advice if you're opening a restaurant. Start with this, an open mindset. You know, Have your, your business plan put together, but go into it. Open those doors knowing that you might be shutting them real fast or at least learning and changing quickly too because you, the whole thing is just learn what works, what doesn't work. Now the next time out, do a little bit better. Do it a little bit better. Do it, and like you're not going to get success right away. But if you're, if we're like you are, and we're constantly looking just to do it better than the time before, then eventually we will just kick some serious ass. And I think you're just incredible. You know, you're an incredible example of that. And that was an awesome story. Thank you for sharing it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, if I can, if I, if I can add a thing, please do. Um, we were, we were. T- I, I, I said we'd come back to uh, the the merits of um, the education and anthropology and how that how that relates. Oh yeah, um, the full, full uh, circle. Do it. <laughs> the core, the core tenet, or the core tenet of the scientific method. Say you develop. A, uh, a theory, right? A broad structure, and in that theory there are hypotheses. If I do this, this will happen, right? And then you try doing them, you, you experiment, and either you get the result that you expected to get, or you don't, mm. right? And if you don't, that doesn't mean that you're somehow doing bad science. In fact, it's the other way around. That means you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. You go in and you try a thing, and if it doesn't work, you revise your hypothesis, you mm. revise your theory, and you go at it again. Awesome um, stuff. And Having that as a basic tenet, you know, I'm only right until I can prove this wrong, right? Um, I'm only right until I can do it better uh, is uh, enormous and has informed so much of my work, um, really across my whole professional life. Sam, there's two resources I'm going to share with you, only because what you're saying, I think you'd love these, and I have to tell you about them, is that book I mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. Eric Reese's The Lean Startup. I think you would just Mm -hmm. devour that book and love every inch of it. Uh, just because of the way you think. And uh, also there's an app that's called Sweet Process. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Okay. But it's an no, app. No, I haven't. It's awesome. It's an app that allows you to put systems and processes to everything you do. Um, and like All write right. them out. And I think that with your love and passion for systems and processes, that would be a, an app that you would just go to town with. So Yeah, I absolutely. I'm going to actually fire it up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. off the so, man, <laughs> we have destroyed the first half of this interview, and you're just killing it. And I – Need to get some bombs of knowledge from you now. This is going to yeah. be like a speed round. Are you ready to drop those bombs? I am ready. All right. We just need to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll get right back to it. 
In the restaurant business, making money and saving money are the same thing. To be unstoppable, you need systems to control your costs. ChefSheet.com is a subscription-based inventory system that will empower your restaurant with the tools you need to reduce your costs by 2-4%. to And for super fast end-of-period inventory counts, use ChefSheet Mobile on all iOS and Android products. ChefSheet makes it possible for you to order, count, and send your orders to any vendor in the world in one step. Truthfully, how well do you know your food and beverage costs? Chef Sheep helps you keep track of all your plate costs in real time. Keep track of your vendors too with real-time price tracking of everything you buy. Start using Chef Sheep for free today or upgrade to a premium plan. And if you do upgrade to a premium plan, Chef Sheep will send you a $30 Amazon gift card. Just email them unstoppable at chefsheet.com with your restaurant name. Get on it. All right, we are back, and the first question I have for you, Sam, is what advice do you have for funding and getting the capital for that restaurant? Or in this case, um, a, a cafe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my biggest piece of advice is, uh, uh, honestly, don't take money from people who don't share your passion for doing it right. Uh, don't don't take money from people who are gonna get who are gonna get uh, cold feet about doing what needs to get done to make to make your restaurant or your cafe the best that it can possibly be. What is the value in that? <laughs> Why is it so important? Uh, because in order to make your restaurant or your cafe or any business great, um, you have to have a core philosophy and you have to be willing to take every facet of the business and make it build it around your core philosophy and if you if the people that you that are giving you your funding uh don't uh aren't on board with the philosophy that you built your business around then there's just going to be all kinds of friction and all kinds of uh all kinds of uh lack of direction and all kinds of weirdness around building the business to suit the philosophy. Now, would you say the best thing somebody could do to kind of go in that direction is just to really take the time and effort to write out that core philosophy and culture so you can get people on board? Um, I think I think you need to have it uh, in a form that's very simple and very easy and very digestible. So, for instance, um, our core philosophy is very simple. Uh, we want to make the best coffee possible, and we want to share it with people, with both parts of that being equal, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and uh, Can I just say and, that I, I love that you guys have that on your website um, for so many yeah. reasons. One, because now your guests know what you're all about, and it's so simple but so effective. And two, when you're recruiting, when people are coming to, to your website to see what you're all about to maybe come work for you, now they know that you're not just about making coffee, but you're about sharing right. the experience with people. And that's so disappointing so key that's so key and um and so part of it is uh part of it is having a very clear idea of what your philosophy and what your ethos is and part of it is making very sure making very sure that all the people who are involved in the business share that ethos Mm. um because uh everyone who is involved in your business be they you know everyone from investors to you know uh, you know, operations, you know, managers down to the people who are working on the front line, who are interacting with their guests every day. All of them are so pivotal, and you can't really afford, um, especially when you're running a, a hospitality business in a market as 
really cutthroat as New York is to have any piece out of place. It has to all be on point. Everyone needs to be pulling in the same direction. I couldn't yeah, agree with exactly, you more. Exactly. Awesome stuff. And it's funny because uh, t- two episodes ago, uh, Richard DeSisto was talking about how this was one of his failures recently and how he was starting a new restaurant concept and everybody was just had a different vision and concept of what the end product mm-hmm. was and it just didn't work, the end product. But mm-hmm. you know, he learned from that experience. He turned it around and it was a great learning experience for all of us. But it's so true what you said there. And So now we're going to ask the next question and that is, what advice do you have for hiring good people? You talk about, you know, you mentioned it earlier, you hire for uh, that 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 sense for people to have hospitality, then you train them after. I mean, anything else you want to kind of extend on that? Less even that, I mean, the most important thing is not hiring people who know, but hiring people who care. Mm. Uh, you can train almost anything, but you can't give people the uh, you can't give people the passion. You can't make people give a shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how do you tell? How and, do you tell they care? Though I mean, you only got a half hour in that interview. How do you know? How do you get after whether or not they uh, care? There are there are questions that you can ask that will uh, sort of reveal that. Um, I always ask people who I'm interviewing to tell me stories. Mm-hmm. You know, to ask, ask them to tell me stories about you know what's the best coffee experience you've ever had, what's the best hospitality experience you've ever had, and why was that the best thing. You know, now, I know uh, the power of stories because I have I do the same thing with my guests. But I want you to tell me what is the power of stories? What comes out in stories? What comes out in stories is, frankly, what people actually care about, what people actually pay attention to, what what people actually attach to. When you ask somebody, you know, what do you remember about an amazing cup of coffee? What do you remember about an amazing experience at a cafe, right? What exactly they tell you, what exactly they remember mm. tells you everything about how they interact with hospitality about how they interact with your product mm-hmm. um and, uh, and the what they care about is, too yeah and what they care about exactly exactly um and and the, the flip side of that is honestly um you know it sounds very nebulous but you know very quickly <laughs> you know very quickly it doesn't take more than about it doesn't take more than about three or four sentences for it to be clear whether or not this person really wants to be there, really whether or not this person's really on board with what you're doing, especially, again, if you have put yourself out into the world in a way that's honest and in a way that's coherent. Um, uh, you know, again, we, we make no bones about what we're about, and when we interview people, uh, they know what we're about. They're there, and either they're either they're there because they want to be a part of that, or they're there because they're just kind of looking for something. Mm. You know, um, uh, and you 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 look for people who want to be a part of what you're doing. Awesome, I love it, man. Great, great stuff. So once you find these people who care, how do you keep them on your team? Uh, give them tools, give them support, and understand. Uh, uh, not supposed to kind of want to understand which direction the responsibility flows. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest, the biggest key to me in uh, uh, maintaining a happy staff is to understand that um, your responsibility, I mean, the responsibility of your business, the responsibility of your cafe or restaurant is towards your guests. But your responsibility as an operator, your responsibility as a manager or an owner, is towards the people who work for you. Um, what is you show up at work today. You, I showed up at work today, and 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 
you know, managers and operators of all stripes show up at work every day to provide the environment and the tools for their staff to do their best work. Awesome. And you're talking about these tools and how to, you know, how to make sure everybody knows what their responsibility is. What is the best way to communicate responsibilities to your employees? I mean, the best way to communicate your responsibility, responsibilities to your employees is, uh, well, there are two, I think there are probably, I think there are two major parts to this. One is just be very clear about what needs to happen and what the priorities are. You know, this is priority one, this is priority two, this is priority three, and don't, uh, you know, don't shy away from being specific and detailed about your expectations, mm-hmm. um, because the more nebulous you are about your expectations, the more room there is for mm-hmm. friction, the more room there is for people to kind of uh, uh, chafe at it. Okay. Um, and the other part of it is to, again, make it very clear that you understand and that you're going to continue operating as though all of these things in the end are your responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that it's not that your staff is responsible to you to get these things done. It's that you're responsible for making sure that, uh, for making sure the business as a whole is healthy and that you're responsible for making sure that your staff and your guests are happy and mm-hmm. making it clear that all of these expectations, all of these systems that you're putting in place aren't there to restrict your staff, yeah. aren't there to restrict your guests. They're there to enable your staff to do the best work with it. I love it, man. I love what you're saying, but I guess what I'm working towards, is it enough to just say these things? I mean, do you have to commit them to writing anywhere? Uh, oh, I, I commit everything to writing. Yeah, I absolutely that's what I was commit, looking for. I commit absolutely everything to writing. There are lists on lists on lists. I mean, the point um, is nothing's really a rule or is a system or a process or a procedure until it's committed someplace in writing and put someplace mm-hmm. that can be referenced. And when you have yeah, that clearly absolutely. written out, it's it, these things are final. There's no arguing. Mm-hmm. It's spelled out clearly, precisely. And now you and can't is, drift from what the right way is. And it, it is worth noting, though, that you do have to be willing and able to revise these things mm-hmm. as it becomes clear that certain things are working, certain things aren't working. So yeah. whenever we whenever we get the whole staff together, and so like we we just got the whole staff together last week, um, and there was you know hospitality as it always is was a big point of discussion, um, and I made sure to go to the staff and say, hey, like you guys are on the front line more than I am, mm-hmm. or interacting with guests more than I am. Are there any points? Are there any places where there's friction regularly occurring? Are there any, uh, you know, ways that we can make our guest experiences easier? Any ways that we can design any problems that are going on out, right? So we have the tools going forward to, uh, to handle these kinds of situations well and to make sure that everybody comes out of that situation happy and satisfied. Awesome. I mean, this is great, great advice. And, you know, that works two ways. Not only are you improving, like you say, you, you these people work the systems every day. They know they find better ways to do stuff. It, it provides that opportunity to improve. But also when you listen and you let people know that you actually give a crap about what they think and what they, you know, what their opinion, like when they can weigh in, they're going to feel like they matter. And when they feel like they matter, they're going to be happy and they're going to stick around because they're not just, a, you know, a, a worker bee who doesn't really get cared about it. Like, he, you know, you... You, your opinion matters, and that really says a lot about how much you respect and care for your people. So awesome, yeah, great stuff, dude. I love everything that's coming out of your mouth. Um, all right, so 
I can tell that you are a well-educated dude, and um, you <laughs> you make an effort to like always learn. And I want to know. I mean, what resources can you share with us today? Uh, maybe it's a book on personal growth, or systems, or business, or hospitality. But this is when I told you to make that little mental note because you started talking about the, the things and people you're yeah. learning from. I mean, share it with us now. Like, what are these resources? Whether they're books, books or people or websites, what do you have? My my biggest resources in this business are almost always people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of the like a lot of the great work that's being done on this stuff um, is uh, it's almost always codified not in like a book that you can go to the bookstore and buy, but it's codified in you know the systems and procedures and operational practices of the places that you love and respect. Mm-hmm. So every time that I walk into a restaurant, every time that I walk into a bar. I think about every time that I walk into a cafe, I think about how is this experience working, right? Mm. What do these people know that I don't know? And if I walk in and I have a really great experience, I'll come back again and again and again, not just because I love the experience, although that's a huge part of it, but also because I want to see what it is that makes these places tick. Mm. I want to know what it is that makes these places special. Um, uh, You know, so again, uh, you know, I had, I've, I've always, for instance, admired, uh, the, uh, the restaurants that Danny Meyer runs. I mm-hmm. think this is a sentiment that's pretty common in the hospitality industry. Absolutely. Um, yeah. you know, everybody's, everybody's red setting the table. Everybody, you know, everybody knows, everybody knows Danny Meyer and everybody knows that Danny Meyer is very hospitality oriented. Um, I've had the uh, good fortune of having very close access to, you know, his restaurants generally. I mean, I'm here in the city with him. I can get to them very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I specifically, I've gone back over and over to um, uh, Maialino, which is his sort of uh, uh, Roman style Austria uh, off of um, uh, Gramercy Park. Um, and uh, it's a it's a wonderful restaurant. Um, really, uh, you know, great food, great hospitality, very like comfortable and unassuming and warm and welcoming. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it begs the question, why does this work? You know, so what's you, happening here that, that functions? Sam, do you just right? sit back and like c- quietly observe or do you actually approach the managers and say, Hey, I'm a, you know, I'm just like you, I have, I'm in the, the business and what are you doing? What, what advice do you have? Or, I mean, are you silent or what's your approach? I to learning? tend to treat it. I definitely talk to people. I tend to treat it a little bit more informally than that. So I don't, you know, I don't want to come up and be like, Hey, I'm trying to, uh, use what you're doing to make my life better because that's, you know, you know, as a, like, as an approach that's kind of gauche to me, but yeah. You know, I recognize that the people who are running these restaurants are kindred spirits, right? Mm-hmm. These are people who are here for the same reasons that I'm here. They're in it for the same reasons that I'm in it. And so, you know, a lot of these people have ended up being my friends because we mm-hmm. see eye to eye on a lot of this stuff. And yeah. the opportunity to talk to them as peers, not as a like, you know, not as a like, I'm going to, I'm going to research your restaurant, but as a like, what do you think about this? How do you, you know, how do you approach these problems? Mm. Um, and to understand that, uh, you know, and again, to understand that, that I am surrounded at all times and surrounded at all times by my betters and that just by having the chance to experience their work, I can form some ideas about how the work should go. I can Mm -hmm. form some ideas about what, uh, you know, what proper process looks like and what tools 
I can use to create these processes and to make these processes better. Um, I had the really wonderful opportunity, uh, specifically with Myelino, to um, step in and uh, uh, fill in on their coffee station for a little while and sort of learn how they did things and learn how they... Uh, you know, tied their coffee program into their restaurant and how the sort of broader systems that underlie their restaurant work. Um, and it gave the opportunity, just the opportunity to work with those people, the opportunity to see firsthand what they were doing has been just invaluable. Um, and it's the same way, you know, it's the same way in, in any hospitality situation you walk into, walk in and ask yourself, really ask yourself, what works, what doesn't work? Why do things that work, work? You know, why is this a thing? Why do I care about, you know, the room that I'm in when I walk into a room that really bowls me over? Why do I care about the hospitality when I get great hospitality? What is it that really ticked me off to these people going the extra mile? Um, and how can I take those things and fold them into my own process and use them to make myself better, <laughs> use them to make myself uh, um a more well-rounded hospitality profession. Sam, I'm telling you, you have to read Eric Grease's Minimal or uh, Lean Startup because in that book he talks about ask yourself why at least five times. I counted your whys. You only got to four, but then you said what and how. <laughs> so I'll let it pass. But I'm telling you, oh, man. The secret, the, 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 secret is, the secret is why is just another, it's just another way of, of saying what. Exactly, but uh, you, know, you got to pull it's, the layers. It's, what, it's, it's, it's for what reason? <laughs> it's great stuff, man. Awesome. So, do you want to move on to that next question, or do you want to? Um, yeah. Okay. I don't yeah, want to cut you yeah, off. Yeah, I, I feel good about that. Yeah, I, <laughs> right. I feel good about that. <laughs> so, uh, let's talk a little bit about marketing, Sam, because I, I mean, I see what you guys do, and I think what you're doing is great with just getting out there, being active, and just doing what you love, but just shining a light on it and making it, you know, basically what you do, for example, with all these competitions you enter. I mean, that's basically mm -hmm. marketing for your business. Absolutely. Yeah, and, like, I mean, what else are you guys doing? Or maybe elaborate a little bit more on why that's a good thing, you know, to get involved the way you guys do. What, what do you have for us? Uh, well, okay, I've got three big points. The first one is uh, to the competition uh, the competition observation, uh, be involved in your community. Mm -hmm. um, you know, understand that you're a part of a broader world of people who are doing the same thing that you're doing, mm -hmm. and that if you get out and are friendly with those people, if you work with those people, if you spend time with those people, if you, you know, uh, go to events and, you know, show up to other people's restaurants and bars, show up to other people's cafes, introduce yourself, be a face, then, uh, you will be a name that is on everybody's list. Everyone will think, oh, you know, oh, cafe, this part of town, yeah, that guy. So that any time that someone's in my cafe and they say, you know, where else should I be going for coffee? I have a list, mm -hmm. right? They'll say, where should I be going to eat? I have a list. Where should I be going to drink? I have a list. And everybody in hospitality, frankly, whether they'll, whether they'll say so or not, has that list. They have a list of of places where, you know, there's somebody who they know and they know is doing good work. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so getting out and, and knowing people and being known by people is a huge part of expanding the awareness of what you're doing organically. The second part of this is don't be afraid to spend a little bit of money on it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of people in hospitality um, are of the opinion that if they just do good enough work, people will come. And while that is partially true, um, it is still very, very helpful to know, you know, when it is reasonable to like, you know, 
have a marketing budget and what a reasonable marketing budget is, mm -hmm. who you should be going through to do that work. Um, just because, you know, we know a lot of the people who come in, our, come in our doors, but there are so many other people who whose knowledge of our business could be as useful to us in other you know, in other environments, you know, mm -hmm. people in, you know, people in media, people in, uh, you know, people in other avenues of hospitality, people in, you know, uh, uh, you know, all, all, all sort of walks of life and, uh, you know, being able to uh, go to somebody else and say, hey, um, I have a budget. Um, uh, you know, what is it, you know, who, who should I be reaching? Who should I be reaching out to? Because, you know, we're very, very good at, uh, you know, we're very, very good at all the operations mm -hmm. required to make hospitality a thing, right? But, you know, there are people out there who are equally good at getting your name and your brand and your word out there. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of know, people, they touch on this. They, they say, you know, look to, you know, PR firms. I mean, that's yeah. one example of like, you know, you, you do what you do inside your restaurant and you always do it as good as you can. But that doesn't necessarily mean it might not be a bad idea to outsource uh, and, and get that expert opinion and eye on what you might be missing out on. And a, a PR it firm is, is a good is example of that. Not, not only is it not a bad idea, it's a very good idea. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and that was two. I counted two things you uh, mentioned. Two, three. three. I'm trying to hang on a second. I had a third one and it was in the front of my brain. It was on the tip of my tongue and I We'll, we'll move on. We can come back. Lost it. <laughs> We're flexible. We're flexible here. If you, if you think of it, I'll come right back to it. Alright, sounds good. Alright, so let's talk a little oh, bit. Oh, wait. Actually, I Actually, I, I just I just remember what, what it was. Hit me. <laughs> um, uh, the the third thing, and this is super important. Um, uh, always take the meeting. <laughs> Anytime that somebody comes to you and says, "I have an opportunity. I have a thing. I have a you know you know I would love it if you came and you know catered this event. I would love it if you came and talked to these people about this thing. I'd love I it would if love you it if you trained these my folks podcast. or taught this class. <laughs> exactly. Always say always at least at the very least you know schedule a phone call have a conversation sit down with them talk to them hear what they're about because you never know from what direction the opportunity that's going to blow your business up into an entirely new market into an entirely new sphere of awareness you never know you never know where that's going to come from awesome stuff man you are filled with amazing advice the next question i have for you is on the topic of technology and I mean, there's so much happening. Our world is evolving so much. And being somebody who's in love with systems, processes, and procedures, you know that you can use these technologies to plug them into your operation to fine-tune those systems that you mm -hmm, already have going. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the things you guys are using over at Everyman's Espresso, front of house, back of house, or maybe just you use personally in your life that you would like to share with us? I mean, the two, uh, the two biggest sort of uh, uh, operational applications that we use. I mean, we, are, we like so many uh, businesses, uh, use uh, Square to accept credit cards. Um, uh, and I will say, uh, I, uh, while it is, as a, as a back-of-house tool for larger-scale restaurant operations, not really the right thing yet, they're working on some of those features, so like I can't I can't really recommend it if you're you know running a big restaurant with a lot of seats. Okay. Um, for an application like our cafe, it's really sort of the ideal tool. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there are a lot of other you know sort of uh, uh, tablet-based point-of-sale systems, uh, which are varyingly effective for varying for you know for various uh, hospitality applications. 
Um, definitely Wait. knowing the right one to use is super important. So but you I use would Square, that, you said, right? Yeah, we use yeah we use Square. I think that, that as a uh, one as a way of getting easy and intuitive access to all of the data on the back end that you need and generating that back end data in a way that's easy to interact with and easy to, you know, separate out into usable categories and usable metrics is a big deal and you're seeing a lot of the sort of tablet point of sale system getting better and better and better at so that. So does Square um, put all that information to a graph for you? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. they've awesome. got they've got a uh, they've got a whole bunch of, of back end back end data generation that they do and back end data correlation that they do, um, cool. which is, is tremendously useful to us. Very, you know. And again, that's you know the way that they do that is useful for the way that our cafes run. There are other you know systems with web based or cloud infrastructure that you know work similarly that you know parse data and collate data differently, but that have a sort of similar approach. In this case, I'm talking specifically about point of sale stuff. Oh, okay. I'm talking about, you know, breadcrumb is okay. big, Revel is big. These are all, you know, again, it's about looking at the feature set and looking at the price point and saying, you know, okay, this is what I need, this is what I don't need. Um, but that, that as a as a as an approach is uh, has been huge, has been incredibly transformative. Um, just because it's sort of taken up gotten us away from some pretty like uh, clunky, hardware-intensive, uh, difficult-to-use, unintuitive systems that has sort of defined point-of-sale, uh, in my experience, for many, 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 many years. Mm. Um, so that's that's kind of a big deal. Um, uh, we use a uh, we use a web-based uh, we use web-based scheduling software. Uh, we use a, a website called When I Work, but again, there are a number of other competing services. We use When I Work because again, it, it works. It works great for us. Um, I'm I'm not going to say that like it's the one tool that I would recommend above all others for that, but um, but it's a it's a it's a solid full featured tool which gives me all of the sort of parts that I need to uh, you know to run scheduling and to get a hold of my staff and to uh, you know do all of the sort of labor management work that needs to get done um and again the sort of rise of of web-based systems and the rise of you know cloud-based systems and systems that tie into you know uh tie into my fast smartphones that tie into my fast google calendars and all of that business just makes my life as a you know as a uh as a personnel manager way 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 easier um awesome on a personal yeah. yeah on a personal basis uh, Google Calendar is my whole life, <laughs> yeah. and the yeah. ability to sync, the ability to sync uh, events from all different sources uh, into one oh, sort of central calendar awesome. and just have that accessible I, to me everywhere is just unfathomably I'd, useful. <laughs> I'd be lost if I didn't use Google Calendars or just yeah, uh, no, the absolutely. iOS calendar. Um, I mean, yeah. I'm constantly setting – people are always like, I'm so impressed with how persistent you are. And it's because every time I'm told to do something, I put mm-hmm. a little reminder in and so far into the future and I have an alert that goes off on my monitor that says, call John about this on this day. And like if I didn't have that I – mean, but you, the things you can do, like you, you can be so incredibly organized and persistent and just – like the things you can get done with just leveraging technology is incredible. And I love how you mentioned this scheduling tool. You said you use when I work, but that's probably the uh-huh. one thing 
that if I recommend anybody invest their time and money into, it's that scheduling. If they want to go a little bit yeah. beyond POS, because of the time you save, and there's so many different resources that exist now. I haven't even heard of yeah. when I work, but I mean, some of the other ones are ShiftNote. Uh, I think yeah. one I just heard of is called uh, Zoom Shift, which is a new one. Uh, Luna Desk is another one. The big ones are Hot Schedules and uh, yeah. ScheduleFly. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you're, yeah. you're talking like maybe 50 at the most, depending on how big your restaurant is. But for like $49, $39, I'm telling you, the time yeah. you save, the, the headaches uh, it, you it, save. It, 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 pays, it pays for itself like 20-fold. Absolutely. It's, it's enormous. Um, be af- uh, don't be afraid then, to call me and ask if you guys are at home and you're interested because I talk to these folks and I, I know the options that are out there and I'll send you in the right direction. Just shoot me an email. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the other uh, the other thing, and this is like the simplest, like silliest little thing, but just uh, maintaining a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of to-do lists uh, on the uh, on the reminders app on my iPhone is like it's the thing that makes my <laughs> that makes my moment to moment schedule possible. That alone, <laughs> that that habit of creating a list and using a list is an, uh, an amazing if factor alone. Uh, yeah, so much value. Having, have you? Yeah, and it's having really any 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 app that will do that for you. Any like you know any application that you can carry around in your pocket that you can access on the fly that just gives you a list of everything that needs to get that needs to get accomplished that you can just check off when it's done is just honestly like I did it when I didn't have or when the reminders app in iOS was not great and when there weren't that many like awesome like intuitively structured apps available mm-hmm. i just carried around a notebook with time every page was a to-do list for the day you know all right we're almost done i'm sorry we're going a little bit long but oh. man when you when you, no, when you got fine. somebody who's on a roll you don't you just shut up man and you let them talk <laughs> you let them go that's what i'm doing right now so as long as you're cool with it i'm cool with it so uh yeah yeah totally. it's fine. one question i have to ask you is if you could go back in time maybe to that time when you uh first got your job with that boston-based uh, cafe, mm-hmm. and uh, you could give yourself one piece of business advice. What would it be? Uh, there are no unimportant details. Mm-hmm. Awesome. There are no unimportant details. Everything is important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and makes it you know make make the time to attend to them. You know you don't have to you don't have to be attending to them all all the time because that's a really fast way to you know burn out and fall off face of the earth. But um, but understand that it is in fact all important. Um, mm. It does all matter. Awesome stuff. I love it. So, Sam, if there was one question I could have asked you that you think would have added more value to this interview, what would it have been? How do you in how do you encourage your uh, your staff to do their best work? Okay, so um, Sam, how do you encourage you know, how do you, your staff to do their best work? <laughs> you uh, I, feel like I, sort of, I feel like I sort of started to answer that uh, <laughs> when we were talking about how do you how do you keep good people? Yeah, um, which is uh, you encourage your staff to do their best work by again making your making the goals and the expectations perfectly clear, and then making sure that people need the tools. That, you know, have the tools that they need to do that. Whatever those tools are, they might not be the tools that you foresaw them needing, but by, you know, being willing to provide whatever it is that your staff needs to do their best work, mm-hmm. being willing to, to, you know, to look at the tools that you're providing and say, okay, you know, you have this, here's how you use it, but also, is there anything else that you need? Is there any other way that I can make 
you know, make it easier for you to do good work. I love it, man. I think so many times I get really irritated with people who say, you know, there's no good help out there. There's nothing I can do. I've done everything. There's just nobody good that you can find. And the truth is, I mean, there's a lot of good people out there. Yeah. But are you doing yeah. everything you can to find them and to make them want to work for you? If you can't find well, good people, take a look at yourself and ask yourself, am I being the best I can be? And that's kind of what I hear. Mm-hmm. Like, what tools am I providing? Like, am I making myself clear? Am I writing these systems, processes, and procedures down? Like, do they know what the culture is? Do they know where our mission is? Do you know why we exist? Mm-hmm. And if you answer all those Absolutely. questions and provide the tools, like you say, man, and then just listen to how you can make it better. Like dead on awesome stuff. I love it. That's all. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Good stuff, man. Awesome. Well, you've been incredible and we're going to wrap it up by having you call somebody out. Who's one indie restaurant or maybe because your cafe network is huge. One cafe, um, barista maybe, or a cafe owner, you know, who you think would make a great guest mentor here on the show. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you two. Uh, uh, one of them, uh, uh, my friend Charles Babinski, who won the United States Barista Championship and is one of the co-owners of uh, both G&B and uh, Go Get 'Em Tiger uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, he's an amazing, uh, he's an amazing barista, an amazing hospitality professional. He runs an amazing organization, um, and he has a lot of uh, really interesting and and great things to say about um, how to run a coffee business, uh, how to run a hospitality business in general, and how those things sort of interact. That was uh, uh, Charles the, uh, Babinski. Uh, Charles Babinski. All right, I'm coming after you, Charles. And who's the second one you have? <laughs> uh, the second one is uh, I mentioned him earlier in the podcast. Uh, Sutter Teague, um, who is uh, the general manager at uh, Amori Amargo in uh, in the East Village, uh, one of the most uh, fascinating, uh, smart, uh, uh, interesting, progressive bar programs that I can think of, um, and just a guy who's really uh, really dialed in in terms of uh, you know providing a great experience for his guests and all of the details and all the work that goes into that. Southern Teague, look out, man. I'm coming after you, too. I cannot wait to get the <laughs> both of you on the show. If you would join me, it would be terrific. And, man, uh, this is where you let the folks at home know how can we connect. If they want to come work for you, and I don't know what coffee uh, or barista enthusiasts out there wouldn't want to come work for folks like you. Uh, how can we come connect and how can we learn more? Uh, I mean, the two, be- the two best ways to get a hold of me, one, uh, get at me, get at me uh, via the internet. Um, uh, go uh, on the website um, and uh, you can, you can get a hold, you can get a hold of us there. Um, everymanespresso.com is where we're at. Um, uh, and the other one is, uh, honestly, if you're in the neighborhood, just stop in and say, Hey, I'm in the shop all the time. Um, I, uh, I love meeting new people. I love meeting enthusiastic new people. And, uh, you know, the best, the best impressions are the ones that are made face to face. The best impressions are the ones that are made between people directly. Especially um, in this and, industry. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. And, uh, guys, all those links will be right there in the show notes, www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash Sam Lewinton. Just find those links. That's spelled L-E-W-O-N-T-I-N. You got it. Awesome. <laughs> Great stuff. Um, Sam, man, there is no questioning. You are unstoppable, my friend. <laughs> I do my best. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Another episode in the bags here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Sam, man, you're just killing it. Killing it, killing it. Telling us the importance of, you know, knowing it's not about the food. I mean, yes, food's important, but if you don't provide that incredible service and if you're not there, if the hospitality is not there, then you're not going to make it awesome. And systems, processes, procedures so important such a great episode here sam you were just awesome and guys if you enjoyed this episode please send me an email eric at restaurant and tell me who else would make a great guest mentor on the show i'm always looking for people to you know just feature and spotlight so don't be shy and head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash books and slash Tools, you will find a list of all of the tools and books my past guest mentors have read and used in their restaurants every day. Uh, that's just my way of kind of funneling that information to one spot so you can know what's worth your investment, not only monetary, but time, uh, what books to read. So, awesome stuff today, great stuff. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Until next time, peace out. <laughs>